pull out your message notes this morning. I am going to dive right in to the message. I'm going to primarily be talking to men this morning, but ladies, I want you to stay with me, and teenagers and young people, I want you to stay with me. I really feel like there's some things that we can all learn about this morning. And, you know, somebody might say, well, why are you spending an entire sermon or entire message talking about men, uh, whether it's to sons or husbands or dads or all the above? Uh, I would say because I believe there's a mandate to raise up men. Uh, We have seen in society that godly manhood is really on the endangered species list. Uh, There are not a whole lot of godly men out there. In fact, one study just in regards to dads said that 40% of kids go to bed each night without a dad. 40%. Did you know 41% of births in America are to unmarried women where dads are absent? How many know we need dads to step up uh, in America? And, And, you know, I just want to say this this morning. I really believe the message today is going to encourage us and inspire us. And I'm grateful for every dad that showed up this morning. Come on, somebody, that you're here in church of all the places where you could be, and you're here with your families. Uh, But did you know that in churches, men are typically absent as well? There's a study that said churches are made up primarily of 70% women and only 30% men. And another study showed that 70% of the leadership in churches is made up of women, uh, whereas it's only 30% of the leadership is made up of men. And there was another study that said one out of every five married ladies go to church without their husband each and every week. Come on, we need men to be present uh, in our churches, in our homes. But do you know one place where men are present? It's in prison. There was a study, look, it said 88% of local inmates are men. 93% of state prison inmates are men. 93% of federal inmates are men. 92% of men that have been convicted of violent felons are men. 92%. Women stand a 1.8% chance of going to prison, whereas men, on average, have about 11.3% of going to jail at some point in their life. Look, what, imagine what would happen if we had a community, if we had a church, if we had a city and a region full of godly men that would raise themselves up and rise up and lead their families. How I many know crime rates would be diminished? Fatherlessness would be diminished and unwanted pregnancies would drop and divorce rates would drop. And when you look at it, really it all hinges around the concept of men. And so men, you're so important to the family unit. You're the foundation and you can be the catalyst of change for the community that we live in as well as the families we are called to lead. It's about men. And if I were to title today's message, it would be called Stepping Up. Everybody say Stepping Up. Stepping Up. So, you know, I realize this morning that you're here, and I'm grateful for that, but I believe each and every one of us can continue to step up in our lives. I want to start off with Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. 
Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Now, this is where God is speaking to Abraham. And if you are new to the Bible or new to Christianity, uh, Abraham is the one that God commissioned. He sent him out of a land that he grew up in and the people he grew up with. And God sets Abraham apart. God uses Abraham to raise up the, the nation of Israel and Jewish people. And in the verses previous to this, God makes a promise to Abraham that he will become a great and a powerful nation. And that through Abraham and his lineage, all the nations of the world would be blessed. But I want us to see what God says after he promises Abraham this. Look in verse 19. It says, for I have chosen him. Who? God's chosen Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So God has called Abraham to direct his children and his household, to lead his children and his household. And look, it says, by doing what is right and just so that, everybody say so that. So it means there's a condition to this. Like, I'm gonna, I want you to have this promise, and, and I want you to do this, but why do I want you to do it? So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. Now, one of the things that you find that's interesting in this verse is that, yes, God promised Abraham he would be the father of many nations and the world would be blessed. But when we see this, what we see is that God's promise is really predicated on the fact that Abraham leads his family and his household well. And so men, what I would say is, you know, we can go and pursue the blessings of God. We can pursue the promises of God in our life. But I wonder if the foundation for God's promise in our life is us leading our families well, us leading our household well, us leading our wives well. And when we do that, then guess what? God will fulfill his promise. And so men were called to step up and to lead. And in doing this, the first thing we've got to know is that being a dad is a calling, not an obligation. Oh, I can get a better amen than that. Come on, somebody. I, I know, women, that you're maybe nervous a little bit to amen because your husband's sitting here, but we're all going to amen this morning. Can I get an amen? amen? See, dad, listen, it's a calling to be a dad, not an obligation. Look, he said, I have chosen Abraham. And just like God chose Abraham, I believe God chooses you as a father. That God has called you. It's a privilege that we have to lead our children and to lead our families. And I get it. Look, some of you men may be saying, look, my child wasn't planned. Like we were not like, woo, we're going to have a child. It's like, whoops, we having a child. And, and, I, and I get it, but you have to know this. It might have been unplanned for you, but God knew. God knew the choices we would make and what would happen. And so your child is not an accident to God, nor is the responsibility that you carry in your life. God has called you to be a great father. And look, what some might see as a mistake, God sees as an opportunity. See, that child that you father, that child belongs to God, but you and I are the stewards of their life. We have the responsibility. It's the calling of a father to parent the child that we have. We're called to invest in their life. And I know this. God doesn't make a mistake. That means you're qualified. You have what that child needs already on the inside through the power of God. Amen. And look, every child has a destiny just like every father has a responsibility. 
that they coincide with each other, that we are responsible to be great fathers and husbands to the families God has trusted us with, and it's a great privilege. The second thing we've got to know this morning is that you are born male, but you have to choose to be a man. <clears throat> Look, you got to make a choice that I'm going to walk as a man walks. A biblical manhood that God has called me to, it's not, it's not something that's easy. It's something that's very hard, which is why not very many men actually do it. But I'm believing God is raising up a church and raising up a generation of men that say, we choose to be men, not just because we're male, but because we make a conscious decision to live the way God's called us to live. We're going to do it. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not easy. Look, David actually tells his son Solomon in uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about what it means in his charge to Solomon. Look, he says, I'm going to a place where everyone on earth must die someday. So David's on his deathbed. David is about to die. He's called in his son Solomon. How many know when you're on your deathbed, you're going to say something pretty important? You know, you may not have very many more words left to say. Look at what David charges Solomon, the wisest man known to this world. Look at what God's, or David says to him. Take courage. Everybody say, take courage. And then he charges him with this, be a man. Be a man. Like, like look, Solomon, you're going to have struggles and there's going to be lots of temptations and things are going to pull at you. But what you've got to do, Solomon, is I want you to have courage so that you can be a man. We must know to be a man, it takes courage. See, we could be passive and it's easy. Look, if you've got a great wife and a great mother, it's easy to say, hey, let mama take care of it. And, and look, there's moments where I'm like, hey, go see your mama. Come on, somebody, go see my Mama's got all the answers. But there's got to be a point in our life where we say, yeah, I get that, but I'm your dad, and I'll show you and spend time with you, and I'll tell you, and I'll stand up and be a man and make decisions for our family. Can I get an amen? amen. We've got to have courage. And look, it's an active choice. We've got to choose this. We've got to choose to walk in courage. And really courage is doing things we don't want to do so that we can be the men we've always wanted to be. And look, it, it, it's not going to be something that you want to do necessarily. You know, the thing that I love to do is watch movie and eat chocolate chip muffins. Yeah, they don't work out so well. Come on. It just doesn't all. So, so you got to go beyond what my flesh wants to do and what I like to do. And you got to say, look, I'm going to be active in being a father. I'm going to be active in being a husband. And I'm going to be a good man. Why? Because I choose to be a good man. We're not victims. We've got to say it's a choice and I choose to be the man God's called me to be. And look, I get it. Sometimes it can feel pretty hopeless. Uh, sometimes uh, we can be discouraged because as dads, we've messed up or we've said the wrong thing at the wrong time. How many have just walked in and made a mess of everything? I, I know I do it often or I'll say something and it didn't come out right or I'm selfish. And what I've realized is this, if I will acknowledge that and then ask God, God, would you redeem the time that has been lost or stolen? The moments where I made bad decisions, the moments when I didn't choose the right uh, option, which was my child or my wife, God, would you redeem that time? Because today, I'm going to do it a little bit differently than I did it yesterday. And even though it's been stolen away, God, I'm asking you to redeem it. And this is what I know. Regardless of how we used to act or even we acted last night or this morning, we can make changes in our life as men today. Everybody say today. So how do we do it? 
The first thing is we've got to accept responsibility. If we're going to be real men, if we're going to be godly men, we've got to accept responsibility for our lives and what God has entrusted to us. Look, if we don't accept responsibility, then what happens, men, we become victims. Like, it's, it's not our fault. We blame everybody else. And what I've learned is this. If I begin to blame everybody else, then I can't do anything about it. But when I say I'm accepting responsibility for my marriage, I'm accepting responsibility for my family, I'm accepting responsibility for my life, then what I know is that from that moment on, I can begin to change the things I don't like. But i got to accept responsibility. And sometimes, men, it's easy for us, look, to blame culture and society. Look, our families are a mess because of that culture and, and society. Like all those, those things that, that go against God, that's the reason. It's, it's culture. And we can begin to blame the environment that we find ourselves in. But the truth is, men, look, if we would stand up and be godly men, if we would raise up our children in the ways of God, if we would be active and and available in their life, we would actually change culture. The reason culture and society is the way it is is because we have a society full of absent dads who are allowing kids to do what kids do. They get into trouble. They make it all about them. The center of their life is sin, and we've got to say no more, not in this house, not in this church, not in this community. I accept responsibility. I'm going to do everything I can to see God change our community. Not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to be a leader in my house. And, you know, if we don't accept responsibility, look, it's easy to blame those violent video games. We can say, oh, it's Fortnite. Come on, kid. That's right. Woo, Fortnite, that's corrupting our kids. But again, no, look, if we spend time with our kids, they wouldn't be on Fortnite. If we were engaged in their life, we could speak into their life. Not to say anything's wrong with Fortnite, go play it. But if that's what's raising your child, then there is something wrong. And so then we, we, we blame all the violent video games. We, we even blame guns for the violence in America. Listen, guns don't kill anybody. People do. Look, I'm not meddling. Look, I, I, so I kind of meddling a little bit. I'm in Texas. I can probably say that more than other places. But I'm not advocating for or against gun laws. What I'm advocating is for dads to be present in the lives of their children. Because if we had dads in the lives of children, we wouldn't even be talking about the violence made with guns. But it's, what we tend to do is we go towards the symptom and not attack the root. The root is a fatherless generation where dads have not been present in the lives of their families. We got to stop blaming culture, blaming society, blaming everyone else. And and listen, we have a church full of great fathers. You know, I, I do a small group with men, and man, I love it. I am so inspired by the fathers that I get to interact with. Look, we, we've got men in here that inspire me. You're a better dad than I am. And I listen to you, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. I get great ideas. And if that's you, what what I hope you get out of the message is don't get complacent. Don't say, well, I've been good, and then stop doing what you did to get to where you're at. That we would continue to grow as dads and say, look, I I may be pretty good, but I want to get better. Because you never stay in the same place. You've got to continue to move forward. And then the other thing is, look, if you find yourself in here today and you're like, man, if we're just honest, I'm, I'm not a real great dad. I'm not a real great husband. And this is what I want you to know. Ain't nobody in this place judging you. Why? Because we're glad you're here. 
Thank God you're in the house of the Lord. Look, I, I want you to know what we do from that is we say, look, maybe I haven't made all the right decisions, I haven't done all the right things, but from this moment on, I'm going to choose to be better today than I was yesterday. That's the key to life. You're never going to reach perfection, but can we get a little bit better today than we were yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than we were today, and as men continue to engage our families the way God's called us to engage them. See, the sad thing is that the same man who steps up in the office steps down in the home. The same man that steps up and up front in the battlefield steps down when it comes to connecting with their kids. See, we can go be everybody else's hero, but the challenge is we are passive many times in our own homes because we feel like we're not good enough or we just are selfish and want to do what we want to do. And we must take the charge to say we will be godly men. That this will be our finest hour, regardless of where we came from and what happened in the past. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, there comes into the life of every man a task for which he alone is uniquely suited. What a shame if that moment finds him either unwilling or unprepared for that which would become his finest hour. Now, Winston Churchill was speaking of battling the Nazis and them standing up against them. But I believe we've got a greater battle taking place in America today. And it's the battle for our children. It's the battle for our families. It's the battle for our marriages. And I'm believing this is our finest hour, man. Come on, somebody. Our finest hour. That we would step up to the challenge and not shrink back. But that we would say, God, with your help, we will be the men you have called us to be. And there's really three areas of responsibility that we must take ownership over. The first one is ourselves. Look, men, we've got to be responsible to lead ourselves well. We have to know that we are the foundation of our homes. If this isn't right, nothing else will work. And I've learned this, that I can only take my family where I have been myself. And so many times as dads, you know, we want our children to have a relationship with God. We want our children to know God, to pray, and to read our Bibles. But I would tell you this, if you don't pray, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't worship God in your own time and spend time with Him, I promise you this, your children won't either. Why? Because they're watching your example. They're watching what you do as a father. Some, some men say, well, I just want my family to go to church. My question is, do you go to church? Well, no, but they need to be in church. Well, I get it, but so do we. And men say, look, man, I'm going to be in church. And the greatest way to get your family to church is to lead them to church yourself. You know, sometimes we can say, well, I want my kids, and you know, as parents, I want my kids to have integrity. I want them to have character. I want them to do right when nobody's watching, when it's the little things. How many know, men, that means we've got to have integrity. That means we've got to have character. That means we've got to do what's right when no one else was looking. This last week, we got to spend a week at Pine Cove. It's a family camp, and if you saw my Instagram or Facebook, I blew it up. It's like just so much fun. It was awesome, and you know, one of the last days, what we do is we play a game called Turkish, and uh, it's a mix between football and basketball and soccer. It's really a crazy game. There's really no rules. Just get the ball in the net, and uh, it was pretty awesome. Caden and I were playing on opposing teams. It was all the dads playing against all the sons, so you know, all the dads are trying to prove you're not old and decrepit. <laughs> my knees are still hurting. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to let them know. I wouldn't let him know at all, you know. And the kids are like, I'm going to beat your dad. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. We ended up winning. I just, I mean, not bragging. I'm just saying. So they, uh, but the, <laughs> we won by one. Come on. The peanut gallery. <laughs> That's my son, Caden. We did win by one, though. We did win. And so we're playing, and uh, it was pretty awesome. We're, we're out there now. I, last year I played, but I didn't realize how old or mature I had become and I actually tore my calf. It's because of mad muscles. Just, just, just boom. Just, you know, the young people, they, they move way differently than us. It's like I thought I juked, and I'm like, ah. And so this year I said, I'm not running. And uh, I actually said I wasn't going to play, and Caden talked me into playing. And I said, well, I'll stay guard around the goal, you know, so I just stayed positioned here, and it was, it was awesome. I didn't have to move that much. I just kind of raised my hand and did this, you know, tried to scare them, and it worked most of the time. It did pretty good. Well, there's this rule that if you go inside the goal, you have to act like a cockroach for 10 seconds. Yeah, it's, it's just humiliation and shame. It's what the whole game's all about. It's awesome. And so one of the uh, kids, young teenagers, was going, and he shoved me into the thing, but nobody really saw it. You know, he was just being aggressive, and I stepped back, and I thought, hmm, nobody saw me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? So I got it, and it was a split second. Now, I've been working on this Father's Day message, and so integrity and character's been in my heart. So I, but for a split second, I thought nobody really saw me. It really wasn't even that much. It was just, just a little. Not, that's not worthy of a cockroach. Come on, somebody. Like, that was just like, but I thought about this. What if Caden saw me and I didn't do it? Is it a big deal? It's not a big deal. But if I want Caden to have integrity, if I want Carson to have integrity and Addison and Raylan, I mean, no, it's the little things that matter. Now, listen, I got down. Look, we did a little cockroach. Woo! It was awesome. I got up. Yeah, come on. It was awesome. Yeah. You didn't think I did it. Look, I'm not even super dad. I just did it because I was working on my message, I'm sure. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, I ran a red light today with Caden in the car, and I thought, man, that is not, what is Caden? He's going to run a red light, and I'm going to say, yeah, I was late for setup. I'm like, Caden, don't do it ever. He's like, dad, you did it. <laughs> so I'm not perfect. But I just thought, you know, it's the little things. Dad, you want your families to walk in integrity? You've got to walk in integrity in all things. You know, and, and we are so, such a mirror. I, I, parenting, Phyllis said it for Mother's Day, it really is a mirror to us. You know, your kids don't come pre-programmed. Isn't that interesting? You know, I wish they did, and I wish they had all the good things I did and not all the bad things I did. But truth is, every child is unique because they're being programmed by their dads and their families and their environments. And so when we look at our kids as a parent, the things they do that make you the maddest Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, why in the world would you do that? Many times you just got to point right back and say, you are the reason they do that. You know, like Carson the other day, it was probably about a month ago, he was drinking out of the milk jug without a cup. Like, who does that? Like, that is, I'm like, that is sick. Like, all your slava, like, all back, all the graham crackers going back in the thing. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, who does that? And then the other night, I was drinking out of the car and just drinking. And Carson said, see, Dad, you do it. <laughs> right? It's just, it's, it's, Phyllis and I were griping at the kids the other day. And all my, several of them are down here. You'll remember, hey, don't leave your stuff at the door. It's like when they walk in, it's the closet. Like shoes come off, jackets come off. Sometimes clothes come off. I mean, it all comes off. And we're like, bro, can you, like your bedroom is just 20 feet, like just... 
And, and when you got four of them, it becomes this mound of stuff that you have to wade through. Well, the other day, Phyllis and I were walking through, and guess who takes off their shoes and their jackets and their clothes and everything else right at the door? Mom and dad. Absolutely. Why? Because they mirror who we are. The things that drive them nuts, they get from us. And so we as dads, we've got to say, look, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. I'm going to take responsibility for myself, and I'm going to lead them because I've been there myself. The second thing we've got to take responsibility for is our families. Man, look, you've got to fight for your family. Man, listen, you've got to fight for your families. John 10.10 10 says the thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And it's not just you the enemy's trying to destroy. He's trying to destroy your family and your legacy through your family. But I love what happens in it. Look, says, but he, and Jesus speaking, I've come that you might have life and life overflowing. How come? Because he loves us and he wants the best for us. That though the enemy is trying to steal our families, if we will be godly men, if we will do it the way God wants us to do it, he will give us life, he will give our kids life, he will give our marriages life. We've got to fight for our families. You know, sometimes we can, as men become passive, and we can start to blame everybody else for the problems in our family. Look, if your children are not communicating with each other, how I many know we need to take responsibility and say, well, I'm going to own that. You know, your kids are screaming and arguing, and we feel like, well, what do I do? Well, step in and teach them how to communicate and work it out with each other. Well, mama does that. Yeah, I get that. Listen, this is Father's Day, and I'm glad she does it when you're gone, but I'm asking you to do it when you're present. Well, I don't know how. Great, you ought to learn. Well, it's hard. Again, being a man is hard. But, but what we find is we say, well, mama didn't teach him that. No, baby, it's dad's responsibility. So we're going to co-parent. We're going to work on it. But when dad is home, dad needs to work on helping your children communicate in a positive and constructive way. Look, if your children are always on phones and they're always in the media and they're always watching television and on the computer, I guarantee you a lot of times it's because dads are as well. And so we can say, man, put your phone up. The best thing we can do is say, I'm going to put my phone up. Why don't we all put our phones up? Let's grab a card of a deck of Uno. Anybody play Uno? Come on, you, you got, so, so we can play some games. We can get in there and we can play some skip bow. Anybody play skip bow? We play skip bow, yeah. You're like, I don't know what those are. Go get you some cards. Why? Because you're going to connect with your family. You're going to find a way to spend time and to take the ownership back and say, God, you have entrusted me with my family. Look, if you don't like your marriage, stop blaming her and start saying, I'm going to take responsibility for my marriage. Well, we don't communicate. Great. Listen, I get it. The number one challenge every marriage has is communication. Can I get an amen? Like, that's a challenge. You say, well, you know, we're having a hard time. Let me tell you, everyone has a hard time. So what we've got to do is say, hey, I'm going to learn how to communicate better. I'm going to, men, check it out, communicate my feelings. <laughs> yeah, but that's really difficult. Yeah, it is really difficult. You know, one of the things Phyllis and I commit to do is we commit to go to a marriage conference or retreat every year. Why? Because I need help. Come on, somebody. She's an angel, but it's me. I need all the help I can get. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we'll be gone for an entire week learning how to communicate and spend time together and to build our marriage. Why? Because when the children are gone, the only thing left is me and her. And so you can focus on your child. You can lead the, them well. But the question is, are you leading your entire family? Are you leading your spouse well as, as well as well? 
That's awesome. Look, man, I'm concerned we pretend to be Romeo before we get married, and then we bait and switch. It's kind of like false advertising, right? We, 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 we know how to romance them, take them out, do all the nice things we got them, but now we're like, I got you, sucker. No, that's not what they say, not what they say at all, at all. But what's that mean? That means you've got to take the ownership of going on dates. Phyllis and I were off on Fridays, so during the day, we go on date lunches, and I've just learned, I hadn't always done this well, but I've learned I've got to date my spouse. I've got to spend time with her. I've got to make sure I'm investing in her. We're, we're going through our schedule. We're trying to talk about the week. We're trying to talk about each other. And, and we have to, as men, be the ones that initiate that in our lives. Look, dads, now let's move back to sons. Think about this. What if your son grows up to be the man that you are? How would you feel? How would you feel if he treats his wife the way you treat his mom? How would you feel if he treats his kids the way you treat your kids? Because the truth is, children grow up and guess who they mimic? Their dads. And think about this, guys. Hey, here, here's a sobering thought. What if your daughter comes home and marries a man just like you? Would you be excited? Woo! Or would you like, whoa, 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 what's your second choice? Hold up. <laughs> Hold on, slow, slow. But daddy's just like you. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, it's a sobering thought, right? It's, it's one of those. So we don't really think about it till it's too late. We don't really think about it to the end of our life. And the goal of this morning is that God would make us focus now that God, we're going to make sure that the end of our life is good because we're focusing on what you've entrusted us with now. Think about it. Think about it. And I've learned this. One of the key things that I've learned in life, I learned it several years back was to date your kids. Dads, not only date your spouse, but date your kids. Take them on daddy dates. Take them out. You know, for me, I, during the school year, I take them out every Tuesday at their school. I bring Chick-fil-A, and I show up at their school. I think it does a couple of things. I think it makes a statement to them and a statement to their friends that your dad cares enough about you to show up and to have lunch with you. And so I, every week I date a different child. And some of the things I do is I work hard to say things like, hey, tell me about your week. How's your week going? What's your biggest struggle in school? What are you challenged with right now? And you would be amazed, even though they're 6 and 7 and 10 and 12, the challenges they have in their schools, the problems they face, the anxiety they feel as to whether someone likes them or doesn't like them. And then I always try to ask them this. In fact, I asked Caden this uh, this week. I think it was just four nights ago. Hey, how can I be a better dad to you? How can, see, because look, we can feel like I'm doing good, but the question is not whether you feel like do, you're doing good, it's whether or not they feel like you're doing good. What, what can I do to, to love you better? What can I do to show my love for you? Do you want me to praise you more? What, what do you want me to do? And look, I'm not standing up here as a perfect example. There are plenty of times throughout the year that I missed my daddy dates. Something got in the way. I was traveling. But I will tell you this. I refuse to allow the moments where I messed up to stop me from trying in the moments that I can. And I'm going to say, look, every time I can, I'm, I'm going to make this a priority. And then when we miss, look, I make it up to them. I'll take them out to ice cream, try to spoil them. And knowing that this is what my goal is, is to date my kids. And if you don't have a goal, you'll hit it every time. But if you have a goal, you're going to say, look, I may not hit it all the time, but my goal is I'm going to date the kids God has entrusted to me. Got to take responsibility of your families. Third thing, the last thing as we get ready to close, 
is that we've got to take responsibility for your church. This is our church. Everybody say, this is my church. Men set the pace in the local church. Uh, did you know that given on any given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than adult men in American churches? 13 million more adult women than men. More than 90% of American men believe in God with five out of six that call themselves Christian, but only one out of six attend church on a given Sunday. The men have been absent. And look, it matters whether or not you come to church, not just for what God does through the church and in the lives of other people, but it matters in your life. Look, according to the Heritage Foundation, church involvement is the most important predictor of marital stability and happiness. Church involvement, marital stability and happiness. Look, according to the Hartford Institute, religious participation leads men to become more engaged as husbands and fathers. What's that mean? That as I'm engaged in the church, I tend to be more engaged as a father. I tend to be more engaged as a husband. Look at this. It also impacts the family. According to a study, that if a child gets involved in church, so in other words, you bring someone's friend, one of your children's friends to church, their family doesn't go to church, there is a 3.5% chance that family will get involved. 35 so child goes to church, invites his family, only 3.5% of the time will that family come to church. Now, if a mother gets involved in church and starts to come, the percentage increases to 17% that the family will begin to get involved and follow suit. Now, check this out. This is what's staggering. If a dad gets involved and starts going to church, that number skyrockets to a 93% chance that family will come to church. 93% chance. Men are hugely important to seeing our families serve God and love God. And look, I, I appreciate the strong women. And I want you to know if you're here, you're a mother and your husband's absent or there's not a, a dad in their life, God will give you grace to lead like the men should that are absent. And he's going to touch your family. He's going to touch your kids. There's hope. You're in the right place. We're going to love them and we're not going to see them fall off to the side. But dads, when you're here, it's a huge, huge, huge impact in the family. It blesses my heart. You know, one of the things I love about our church, I don't know that the 70% rule is, is right for us. I feel like we have a lot of great men that lead their families here. But, you know, I was thinking we, we at the staff, we have our staff and we meet on Mondays and we celebrate God's story. So we talk about you. We talk about what happened last week. In fact, 15 people gave their life to Jesus Christ last weekend. So we celebrate that. And Talk about all the dream teamers, which are the ones that serve each and every week to make this happen. And uh, they, they were celebrating a family the other day and, and a man that leads the family, Daniel Balladez, right over here on the front row. Uh, come on, Daniel. They, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, two years ago, he started coming faithfully to the church. And, you know, they were talking about, well, about a year ago, he went through next steps and said, man, I'm going to find my place, which I love the fact that you can sit for a little while. I mean, no, you shouldn't sit forever, but you ought to feel comfortable to sit. And there's going to come a point where God, 
nudges you and inspires you like, hey, it's time for us to get involved now. Like, it's time for us to, to engage. And Daniel felt that. And about a year ago, he began to serve on the Lilo team, which is the load in, load out team. Come on, somebody. All my men and women and families. And it was pretty awesome, you know, coming alive. And he's tearing down some of the children's equipment back in the children's area. And, man, these guys get here at 545 in the morning. They don't leave till 3 o'clock. And they just serve. They just, and, and Dan, you know, you have, a, you, you have a hand in those 15 salvations. Like they gave their lives to Jesus because of what you have done and what your family has done and all the dream teamers that serve each and every week. I get to lead people into it, but it's a team effort. And so about two months ago, you know, his family's been, you know, Daniel's serving. It's awesome. It's great. About two months ago, his family said, look, we don't want you to serve by yourself. We're going to start serving with you. And they're one of the first families. The entire family is serving on the load in and the load out team each and every week. Come on, somebody. Like, there's something about it. Like, you, you know, you just, when you see a man lead his family and the children, look, dad, you're having too much fun. Dad, you're coming alive. Like, I ain't going to let you have all that fun. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. And that's the power of the dads in this place. Look, you're the change agent. You're the catalyst that causes the change to happen in your family in an unprecedented way. And for so long, the enemy has said, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Just shut up and say, let your wife do it because she's way smarter than us. And we all know that, men. Come on, somebody. And so, but, but at the end of the day, if we would just say, God, I have everything I need on the inside of me. I may not feel it. I may not have had a great example, but you're my example. And starting today, I can lead the family like you've called me to lead it. You know, here's the question that I would ask. What if everybody here was as passionate about this place as you were? Would this place be full of passion and increase and see lives changed and see a community changed and all of Fort Bend County and the world changed? Or would this church see a decline, a deterioration, people being apathetic and not care? Well, well, what you do on the inside, how you feel on the inside, the way you live your life, it matters. And if we will all engage and let the passion of God fill our hearts, we can see this church be all that God's called it to be. Look, sometimes you can say, well, pastor, you just keep preaching. It's all about you. No, no, no. Look, everything we need to reach this community is on the inside of you. I get the privilege to lead you, but I can't lead us where you will not go. That we as men would step up and take the charge and say, God, we're going to do it. We're going to fight the good fight of faith according to 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That at the end of our life, we would say, God, we have fought the good fight. Look, we're going to win some days and we're going to lose some days. We're going to do great some days and we're not going to do great some days. But the key is, will I get back up and finish? I want to close with the story of John Akari. It's the 1968 Olympics. It was October 20th. It's in Mexico City. It's around 7 p.m. and... It's hours after the marathon has finished. It was a 26.2-mile race at the Olympics. And the medal ceremony has already taken place. And the crowd starts to dissipate. And then all of a sudden, he steps out 
And the announcer announces his name, and the crowd is a little bit confused, but then they recognize that this was the same man. He was from Tanzania, and what happened was he dislocated his knee because he fell and he had a concussion miles back. And so everybody had written him off, and now he's making his final lap into the stadium to finish the race that most people would have quit on, that most people would have stopped on. In fact, this has become known the greatest last place finish in history. He plays 57th, very last. There were 75 runners and only 57 completed. He's the last one. And, and the press asked him, after he finished the race, the crowds go crazy and nuts and they come up to him and they said, hey, how come you finished? Why didn't you just quit? And he said, look, my country did not fly me 5,000 miles across the sea to start a race. They flew me 5,000 miles across the sea to finish the race. If there's one thing that I've learned, it's not how you start. Is how you finish. And you know, man, I get it. Being a dad is hard. I mean, some of you are probably kicking yourself. You think, man, I made, if you only knew the mistakes that I made, I would tell you this. You may be like him, dislocated knee, messed up. Your, your life's got scars from battles of the past. The question is, are you just going to start the race or are we going to finish the race? Like just, the key is get back up. We're not competing with anybody else. There's not an award given for the best dad in this room. The award is I'm going to finish being the best dad that I can be so that when I stand in front of God in heaven, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Dads, let's be dads. Let me just pray. Father, we just thank you for the dads in this place. God, I thank you that you've called us to raise up a church full of men that are present, that take responsibility of our own lives, that take responsibility of our families, that take responsibility of our church, that God, you have given us this dominion. And we're not going to be passive God, we're not going to allow other people to raise our kids. We're not going to make excuses for why we could or couldn't do it. Father, we are going to accept the responsibility and stand up and be the best men that we can be. Knowing, God, that the goal is I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday, better tomorrow than I am today, and that, God, I'm not going to stay stagnant, but I'm going to move forward in my journey. And, Lord, I pray supernatural grace and peace. And Lord, no judgment. No condemnation, God, but truly inspiration to help us, Father, be who you have already made us be. God, it's already on the inside. I break off every lie of the enemy that says you're not good enough, you'll never be, you never have been a good dad, you'll never be a good dad. God, I break off the lie of the enemy and replace it with your truth. That, God, you have called us, you have equipped us, and you have given us everything we need to be the men you've called us to be. We thank you for this. 
Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I believe there's some of you in this place, not just dads, but you're just here this morning, and the truth is you've never fully surrendered your life to God. Maybe it's pain from the past. Maybe it's just bad choices. You just, you just truthfully, your life has been focused on you, but right now you feel the presence of God, and you recognize your need to make Him first and foremost in your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to put your trust in God, to surrender your life to Him and to give Him all that He's called you to be, all that you are right now. Some of you in this place, heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, you say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Him. I'm going to invite you just to raise your hand as an act of surrender. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. Just just lead us in a prayer. But that's you. You say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender my life to God right now. Just raise your hand. Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. Come on, church. Tell them how proud you are. You put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. So let me just lead us in a prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Right now, I give you everything. I give you all my hopes. I give you all my dreams. I give you my future. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, come on, worship God.